Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. All right, it's time for another edition of Pelicans podcast, and it is the final week of November. Hey everyone, I'm Gus Kattengill, sitting alongside Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. What a great, great week for me. It's a great week for me as well, Gus. It's great to be here. <laughs> uh, we got a lot to get into here as this team wraps up the month of November and gets into December. We got play-in tournament ramifications. We're going to be scoreboard watching. You'll give us a little uh, insight as to what we need to pay attention to this week, in particular, I guess, tomorrow and even tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pels play a couple of games this week, four games this week. Tonight, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, those back-to-backs. Jim, the, you don't have the number to Commissioner Adam Silver, do you? I do not. It seems like he has – I don't think he's in charge of the schedule, but if he were, um, he's piled on a lot of them at the front end of the schedule. It seems like you know the bulk of the Pelicans' back-to-backs have been here yeah. in November. So He is the commissioner. I mean, I would yes. kind of think he would at least know who does the schedule. And things, yeah, he, yeah, he definitely has the person's number that I could okay. get in touch with. Why do you think it's AI and some computer? No, I don't think they, I don't no. think they can do that. Any, there, is a, there is a computer element to it, but I think there's a big major human element to okay. it as well. Well, I got you. Um, Look, Pelicans enter this week, Jim, winning five of their last seven games, playing some really good basketball. And I go five to the seven because that's when you had the team meeting. And really, we've been seeing some of the best basketball this team has sort of played. They went and started a three-game road trip on Friday against the Clippers, a team that they tend to match up well with, right? And Mm -hmm. they play them really good. But that was a game to me that showed signs of growth and maybe possibility, if that makes any sense. That yeah. makes sense to you? Yeah, it's funny. I think the weekend, it was almost like two different teams in a way, even though the vast majority of the players, obviously for the Pelicans, were the same. But on Friday's game, you had Zion available, and both he and Brandon Ingram had 30 points, which that was the first time since 2021 that both of those guys have had that in the same game. It's not easy to have two players score 30 on the same night. So that was a really nice development. And then, you know, obviously in Saturday's game, Zion didn't play. Um, but the group, the starting lineup that we expect to be on the floor Monday night against Utah is 5-0, and and that includes Zion for all of those games. The only losses they've had in this recent stretch were games that Zion didn't play. So, I mean, there are a lot of positive developments, I think, going on. There's a lot of individual um, progress that's being made. We've seen the jump that Herb... Jones is making his third season. We've seen the improvement that Dyson Daniels has made. And I feel like that improvement has really stood out over the last week or so in terms of 
just how much better Dyson Daniel is as a second year guy compared to his rookie year. So I think overall, I mean, there's just, there are a lot of good things happening. It's just a matter to me now of putting it all together and, you know, getting everything on the same page. But the, this last stretch has been super encouraging, no doubt. I think one of the things I want to unpack a little bit is why you, you mentioned that at starting five and why this group has sort of sort of just to play in a different way and mm-hmm. better, if that makes any sense. It's, let's start with the two guys that, you know, head coach Willie Green has called the dynamic duo, the two, the best duo in the NBA mm-hmm. here. And it starts with Z and B.I. being able to do things on the court that, Jim, you're seeing they actually do at practice. When you go back to the winning play in the 116-106 win against the Clippers, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson actually do something they worked the night before. Yeah, I mean, they've. it seems like they've spent more time together, you know, kind of combination plays. We've seen um, Brandon throw more alley-oops to Zion, I think, than we ever have in the past. And then, um, which one of the games I forget which one recent game where they the clinching basket was Zion handing the ball off to Bi for a layup that really put it out of reach. So um, those two guys definitely have have improved their connection on the court and um, are just doing a lot of stuff to to show what kind of duo they can be. Um, I think the really the last step for them to be recognized and at that level is just winning and being in the playoffs consistently. Mm-hmm you know, winning 50 games, that kind of thing uh, over the course of the season and over the course of a longer stretch. And that's something that Zion said at the end of that that win against the Kings that you're referring to and also even the Clippers where there's a lot of potential with this team and this team can still get to where it needs to, but they have to learn that they take those steps. And he said that that win against the Clippers was something that he thinks is going to pay off later on in terms of, he said, hey, I watched the postseason. All those games come down to the final possessions in the fourth quarter. And I guess sometimes we tend to forget, Jim, this team is still very young in terms of experience on the court in minutes and situations like that because they haven't been together. Yeah, and it's been it's been crucial lately. I mean, the, the Clippers was an example of them finishing a game well. Um, the the couple last couple losses they've had they've had leads in the fourth quarter and haven't been able to close it out. So I do think that you know, like you said, just having more time on the court, I think we're going to see the dev- dividends of that. And hopefully, there won't have as many games where you know they're up in the fourth quarter and they're not able to to close it out with a victory. Um, but I mean, we're we're seeing we're seeing just a lot of a, a lot of positives across the board, um, and just being able to get into that m- more continuity. Um, obviously, we're, there's still a couple guys that we're waiting to come back, but I think everyone's just looking forward to like having close to a full strength team or a full strength team and being able to go from there and and make, continue to make steps. I think one of the things that's important as well is Brandon Ingram, I guess, showing us that side of of his game that we saw a couple of years back. Remember when Zion wasn't playing and the Pels pushed the Suns. And the city kind of really mm-hmm. fell in love with the basketball team, right? And, right? and then last year, kind of another situation, you could see the addition or, or what it meant when he actually came back from, from missing a couple months. I mean, Jim, you go back and you look at the last couple of games, Minnesota had 30, Sacramento 31, 23, 30 against the Clippers, even 26 against Utah. And, and, and he and a lot of the team, which we'll get into, missed a lot of those shots. But that that's, it's starting to seem like he's a consistent 25 to 30 point player can, mm-hmm. can that be sustainable here I think so yeah I think it I think it can be and I think you know it, it's it's also just his efficiency and I think his playmaking it's not 
you know, especially when they get C.J. McCollum and Trey Murphy back on the court, I don't think that you're going to want to go into a stretch of games saying, like, B.I., we need you to get 30-35 every night because it's not realistic that with some of the other weapons coming back that he'll be getting those kind of shots. But the fact that he has, you know, increased his field goal percentage again this year, um, that's an area where the Pelicans have done really well in terms of their key guys have been very efficient offensively. Um, so th- those are the, a couple of the things I think that he's that you you want to see from him beyond just you know the raw numbers of him needing to score as many points as he has lately. So let's move to Saturday because that game was one of those where you sure you don't have Adam Silver's phone number on that because uh, didn't seem a lot of you know fair to <laughs> be able to get there. I look Todd told me. It was 3, 3, 15, 3, 30 by the time they got to the hotel mm-hmm. room. You're mm-hmm. playing at altitude. You already knew you were going to face a, a challenge there. And the Jazz get up, and they get up early. I think you started one for eight from the floor. Then you got a little spark of energy from Jose, but even Willie Green said at the end of the game, it's not an excuse, but you ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You can see being outscored there. That, that's one of those tough things. And they almost pulled it away, too. They almost mm-hmm. pulled it out. Yeah, you know, one quick thing I was going to mention too, not to get too into the weeds here, but you know, you I don't know if people realize this, Utah doesn't basically does not play Sunday home games because I I was thinking about this and I think that's for, you know, for religious reasons they've always had a policy that they played a Sunday home game recently and it was the first one that they had played in the regular season in like 20 years. No kidding. So if you think about it, like the Pelicans knew they were going to play two games in Utah. You easily could have, from the Pelicans' standpoint, it would have been better to just play Sunday, Monday, because then they wouldn't have had a back-to-back. They w- there would still be a back-to-back, but it's in the same city. Right. But the fact that Utah doesn't play Sunday home games actually is a big penalty for the visiting team because they're in a position where they had to come from L.A. Friday and then play in Salt Lake City Saturday. But, I mean, I don't want to complain about that too much because, as we all know, like by the end of the season, it all kind of evens out. Everyone has roughly the same number of back-to-backs. Everyone, I think, essentially has kind of the same situation in terms of the nights where the other team is on a back-to-back and you're not and vice versa. But specifically to Saturday, I definitely think that was a factor. And as the game went along, you know, in the fourth quarter, you could say the fact that, like you mentioned, they got in at 3 a.m. was definitely detrimental. And, I mean, as the game progressed, I felt like they definitely did did play, didn't play as well. So, right. so that hurt. But, yeah, I mean um, – I do also want to give credit to Utah. Um, they had a couple guys out with injury as well. I mean, their two leading scorers, Markinen and Clarkson, were both sidelined. So I guess you have to give credit, too, to their bench. It seemed like their bench played better than their starters did, um, and and that was a big factor. But, yeah, it was it was a – I know on the TV broadcast they talked about how it was kind of a schedule loss where you look at sure. it, you go into it, and you say, like, you know, this is going to be a tough one to get regardless of the circumstances with the other team, and I feel like that played out. It it was a game that they, you know, we could play coulda, shoulda, woulda all day, but, I mean, the Pelicans definitely could have won that game. Uh, no doubt. 105-100 was the final there. I can tell you one thing. Uh, the graph will not be sending Walker Kessler any gifts this holiday season, yeah, he, for sure. Yeah, he's, uh, he's been a problem. I mean, he's only in his second year, yeah. but it seems like – even though the Pelicans have played the Jazz, I think only four times total the last two years, it feels like a lot more than that as far as problems that they've had with Walker Kessler. Yeah, and it's not the points column, too. 11 points, but 11 rebounds, a steal, two blocks, and just seem to be affecting everything and everywhere. Mm-hmm. One of the things, though, you can take from that game, and you no, know, Jim, I, 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 look, there were instances and reasons that maybe your legs aren't as fresh, and, and they go, and the shots go. Mm-hmm. But I, if I 
probably jot down on a sheet of paper reasons the Pelicans have lost this season. Rebounding's been one. We've talked about that, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, another one is shots they miss at the rim, whether it's layups and not maybe finishing strong. I, I'm yelling dunk. Please, somebody <laughs> dunk. The graph is yelling dunk. We're all yeah. yelling dunk in the studio. Uh-huh. I thought it was interesting Willie Green brought that up. After the game on Saturday night, we said we have to finish stronger to the rim. So that's maybe something that maybe we look to see this week, to see in instances like that. Because, look, you got Joel Embiid and a couple of other, you know, Victor Wimbayama. These are shot blockers coming. I just think yeah. if you don't go to the rim strongly, you, you're going to risk not only that, but, Jim, also trips to the, to the free throw line. Yeah, you know? I think that's definitely something that they have focused on, even going back to training camp, was – trying to be better at finishing around the basket and finishing in the paint. Um, you know, you mentioned getting more free throws. They've had some pretty low free throw games lately, right. and even more damaging, they've had games where they haven't made them, even with the minimal amount of, of chances that they've had. I think they were 11 for 18 in the game Saturday. So, yeah, that's definitely something that that needs to improve um, as far as just aggressiveness going to the basket. I don't know if they have a ton of guys that are going to, go in and dunk on people besides Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, we've seen Dyson Daniels get better at floaters lately. I mean, he's been so good in that that part of the game. So Herb has been really good finishing with his some of his reverse layups and crafty stuff. He had a finish on Saturday that I don't think I've seen before. So I think there are some guys that are getting better in that area, but you're right. That's definitely something that they need to improve on. Right. You mentioned his name and uh, we actually joked about it before we started today's podcast, Gus Cattengill, Jim Eichenhofer here. I, I Herb Jones has been one of the biggest reasons the Pels have been playing good. And at the same time, I, I wonder if I wouldn't say it's a problem, but he's got to find a way to stay on the court because it is a stark difference, right? When Herb Jones yeah. right now, the way he's playing, you just mentioned his offense has increased. His defense has gotten better per the players and per our eyeballs. But you're also seeing that if he is is in foul trouble, this is a different team right now. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple times, I have to admit, where I've been close to tweeting something and then I've hit the backspace bar a couple times as yeah. far as tweeting, you know, Herb Jones is all defense on the court, but he's still refed like a like a guy who's in the G League. I feel it's like, uncanny, isn't it? Yeah, it really is how... how how tough a whistle he gets sometimes. I mean, I don't know if some of this is just, you know, he's one of the most aggressive defensive players in the league, and sometimes, you know, the, the referees will call you for some stuff because they're not used to seeing somebody be so pesky and so, you know, I don't think he's super physical, but he's he always has his hands in there trying to strip the ball, and so I think that's how he gets some of his calls. But, yeah, I'm, it doesn't seem like he's had a very favorable whistle and I thought we actually were over that last season in his second year, but I guess some of that's kind of come back lately. I mean, this last game, it was unbelievable. He had two per- he had two personal fouls at the seven-minute mark, right, of the first, first quarter. quarter. Mm-hmm. Missed is essentially the first half. I mean, to not yeah. to not have him in the first half is a big difference in a mm-hmm. game. You lose by five, get outscored 37-23, and you won the second quarter, won the first quarter. 25-24, they win the third frame, but... It, it, make, it makes a difference in yeah. not having him and be available to that. And then mm-hmm. he picks up, you know, a third personal foul early on in that third quarter, and he goes right back to the bench. You could see him kind of slump his shoulders and, and walk back towards the bench. But that's something to keep an eye on this week because I, I, I want to see what kind of adjustments maybe he and the staff make in terms of there was one personal foul, Jim, where you just let him score because the two points that they get far 
you know, you staying on the court outweighs the two yeah. points that they get. In other words, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that was his third personal or his fourth, per, you know, fourth yeah. personal. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't foul out. Oh, I think it was one sure. that he fouls out or something. Mm-hmm. But give him the two points. I need you on the court, if that makes right. any sense. So yeah. I wonder if that's going to be kind of expressed to him. Yeah, I think you definitely have to factor the situation in as well. Um, Pelicans didn't have Zion on Saturday. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about a million times, there's a bunch of other guys that they don't have. So, yeah, I, I think you do have to factor in your value to the team given the circumstances. I mean, Saturday was also a very low-scoring game. It seemed mm-hmm. like um, neither team could really get going too much offensively. So, yeah, it was it was definitely important to have him on the floor as much as possible. And, unfortunately, that didn't happen. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, as we wrap up our look back, one of the things that did stand out to me as well was the fact that Willie Green did mention, hey, by the way, we get to play them again, and Z should be available and ready to go and should have a little bit more rest. So, all right, so that'll do it for our look back at what happened back over the weekend. Jim, let's take a look at maybe players of the week for you and also a player to watch this week. Yes, every Monday I, I put out a poll on, I guess we call it X now, of the Pelicans player of the week. New Orleans was 3-1 and one last week, so, I mean, there were a lot of options. There were, I think there were actually more. This has happened already a couple times, which is a good sign. There were more than really four candidates, but obviously they only give you four options that people can vote on. And as we record this Monday morning, Brandon Ingram is the leader, almost has 50% of the votes from people who have cast their ballots. He averaged 27.5 points per game last week. Um, Zion was averaged right around that same number. Uh, Jordan Hawkins shot 38% on threes. Dyson Daniels and Herb Jones both averaged one and a half or more steals per game. Just an impressive week for both of those guys at the defensive end. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what it, it looks like, Brandon Ingram. You know, one quick note, too, on the player of the week that we've done so far. Mm-hmm. Didn't do one in week three because the Pelicans didn't win any games that week. But of Week one was Zion, week two was C.J. McCollum, week four was Herb Jones, and then week five it's looking like Brandon Ingram is going to win that. So that's a good sign as well that there's been a different player. It's not like you're going to the same guy every time and you're not in a situation where you need one player to carry everything. And it does kind of speak to what not only Coach Green but the players have been saying too. They they think that this offense with James Borrego is going to be able to provide an opportunity for players to be more creative, Mm -hmm. to kind of take over and – Jim, I guess when you look at it from that perspective, it should, in theory, then make it tougher to defend the Pelicans because you don't know where they're going or anyone can sort of hurt you, right? Isn't that the eventual goal? And I've been trying to, you know, ask here and there about this, but to me, 
from a outside standpoint looking in, it does seem like they've made big progress with the offense. The first couple of weeks of the season, it seemed like there were a lot of turnovers and there was stuff that just didn't look right. It didn't seem like they had really good flow. Lately, especially with the assists, mm-hmm. even in the Utah game, they had 30 assists even though they only scored 100 points, which by today's standards is not a lot of points. Um, it just seems like whatever it is is clicking as far as understanding what they're trying to accomplish in James Brago's offense, especially with the ball movement. They talked about that a lot in training camp. We didn't see it, I don't think, to the level that we wanted to in the first maybe eight, ten games of the season, but lately that's definitely been something that is very evident when you watch them from game to game. All right, so you got the Jazz tonight. You got Philly coming up on Wednesday. Victor and Bayam and the Spurs come up on Friday. Saturday you're at Chicago. Is there a player that we should be paying attention to, a player to watch? Yeah, I think for this week, I thought it was going to be really basically picking between Dyson Daniels and Herb Jones. I'm going to go with Dyson Daniels just because I feel like he's really hit his stride lately. He's playing so well. So he's my player to watch for what is week six of the NBA schedule. And part of why I picked him, um, you know, against Utah tonight. We don't know whether Jordan Clarkson is going to play or not. He's questionable. Mm-hmm. He's their second-leading scorer. If he does play, I think Dyson will probably get some time on him. Um, Colin Sexton in the game on Saturday off the bench really hurt the Pelicans, so that's another guy that I think Dyson might see some defensive time against. And then as you look at just the rest of the week, this this applies to Herb as well, but the, some of the guys, that backcourt players, that the Pelicans are going to be going against um, – Philadelphia has Tyrese Maxey, who's playing at an all-star level. I think he's a lock as an all-star right now if he keeps playing the way he has. San Antonio has um, guys like Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. And then on Saturday, Chicago, Zach Levine, and DeMar DeRozan. So um, there's a bunch of really big-time scorers and athletic guys and quick guys that Dyson Daniels is going to have to match up against, and that's why he's my player to watch for Week 6. It could have just saved yourself a lot of time. Just said he had six steals in one game, so I'm going to see what he can do this week. It's incredible when you think about that. Yeah. Six steals and six steals and in it the was first in a half. half. Yeah, and, and and then again, you kind of wonder if that gas tank just kind of emptied out there because he didn't see any of those steals. He almost had a couple in the second half, mm-hmm. but Jim, his his time in the starting lineup since CJ McCollum has been out here, he he's really grown from that aspect. And look, obviously, he's not CJ's from an offensive skill level. It's gotten better this year as opposed to last year, but you can really see when Herb's on the court and Dyson's doing what he's doing, that's a formidable you know, duo right there that yeah. you have to deal with. In the starting lineup that they had that I mentioned earlier, that's 5-0, and that was Dyson Daniels moving into the starting five. So, yeah, he's been super instrumental to the success that they've had lately. And, you know, by the way, you mentioned how um, you thought he almost had a steal or two in the second half. I had actually, while I was watching the game, after he had six in the first half, there was one or two times where I wrote down to myself, like, oh, there's a, there's a seventh steal. And I went back and looked, and it, it was like a ball that got deflected that he was the reason the ball got deflected and it went right. to someone else. And I think someone else got credit for it. There were a couple cases I think he should have gotten a steal. So not only do I have a bone to pick with the <laughs> Utah not having Sunday home games, uh, but I also have a little issue with the stat uh, crew as well because I do think that he should have had more than six steals based on my – cursory review of the film from Saturday's game. He does have a lot of hands on the balls and everything. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see he's always so active on that. So look, I I'm excited to see what happens again this week. And look, it 
I want to say it's one of the first weeks we're going to see a, a lot more Eastern Conference teams than Western Conference teams. So, look, Philly's played real good. They have 11 wins going to tonight's game against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. The Bulls have been a bit of a mess. Uh, and right. let's just be honest. I mean, sure. there's a lot tough, of talk about start to the season, uh, no doubt. You know, trading. Zach Levine's mm-hmm. walked off the court. His you know, coach is not happy with him. So, yep. But the guy can score 50 points. So it's going to be interesting to see that. And, look, it'll be the first time for New Orleans fans to see Victor Wimbayama mm-hmm. coming up on Friday. I got to see him at Summer League with Aaron Summers where we call those games he's every bit seven foot plus yes every he, foot, he every is bit. he has no doubt you know you you mentioned how the schedule changes a little bit they've they've gone through a really long stretch where they've only played western teams so playing against some east teams is definitely a different wrinkle than what we've experienced lately but also i mean and again i've written about this the pelicans have to take advantage of this just because on paper the schedule is a certain way doesn't mean anything if you don't win the sure. games but this stretch that started saturday with utah they have a lot more games against teams that are struggling or teams that are well below 500. So the first part of the season was not that was not the case at all. They were playing against quality teams mm-hmm. constantly. The homestand they went 4 and 2 and it was entirely against really good teams that are off to great starts. So to me this stretch coming up, you know, starting this week where you're playing, you know, three of the four teams that you're playing this week are under 500. Um a couple of them are really going through a rough patch right now. So you know, really, this part, even into mid-December, later December, you're playing against a lot of teams that are not doing very well. So it's just a matter of being able to capitalize on that. Um, we can sit here and say and complain about the beginning part of the schedule being tough right. all we want. But if you go into the lighter, easier, quote-unquote, easier part of the schedule and don't win consistently, then, you know, it's it's you're kind of wasting your breath. So this is this is hopefully the time that they can gain some ground, win some games, and move up further in the Western Conference standings. Yeah, test your metal a little bit, and you've been able to see that you can play and compete and beat some of the top teams in the Western Conference. Obviously, that last part of the homestand, you did that. Mm-hmm. Now it's a matter of, hey, how do you stack against one of the best teams in the East in Philly on Wednesday? And maybe if you want to show, and we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, signs of growth, a sign of growth if you want to be a consistent winning team is taking care of business when you can. And that to me is tonight. They got you on Saturday for whatever it is you want to look at it. It was probably tired legs, but you could have won that when you didn't. You got to come home with a 2 1 road trip. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think tonight is definitely the difference between, you know, not a perfect road trip, obviously, but a, real, a good road trip to go 2 1 1, beat the Clippers, split with Utah, or, you know, coming back 1 and 2 um, wouldn't be that great. But then you do have a couple home games, Sixers and Spurs, and then the Saturday game against Chicago. So, yeah, I think tonight also kind of is the difference between can they get a nice little cushion or a little ground between themselves and 500. So that, that's been – they haven't really been able to do that. They've been kind of bouncing back and forth lately. So um, hopefully they can they can win tonight, and, and that will springboard them into this stretch that they have coming up. That's a very good point. As New Orleans is 9-8, and eight, taking on 5-11, and 11, Utah will be with you during the broadcast. It's an 8 p.m. tip, so Pelicans warm up at 7.30. Jim Eichenhofer, are you going to have a couple of uh, things over there on Pelicans.com? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm lost again. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no, you, I thought you were, you were doing your five to- things. Yeah, it's already done. Okay. It's our. It's not really okay. about the game, I didn't know though. You... It's just links and stuff okay. like that. So. All right. Is, you cool to wrap up? Or? Yeah. Okay. So Pelicans warm-up will... All right, so that'll do it for this edition of Pelicans Podcast. Jim Eichenhofer, you can always follow his stuff over there at pelicans.com. 
Pelicans warm-up will be with you tonight at 7.30. It's an 8 o'clock tip, and then we'll be right back here on Wednesday. We'll do another Pels pod, kind of looking ahead as the Lakers are at Philly tonight, and we'll see how that game goes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of eyes nationally will be paying attention to that. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, also by Wednesday, we'll know the fate of the Pelicans in the in-season tournament as well. Um, one of the things, I'll, I'll try to make this as simple as possible because I don't want to confuse you, the, the listeners, and myself. But basically, for, the first thing to worry about for Tuesday night is um, Pelicans need Houston to lose at Dallas. So let's go Mavs, something that's never been uttered on this podcast before. Right. So if the Pelicans can can win Group B by virtue of Houston losing that game, they will be in the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament, which everyone knows is the knockout stage. We have the LL Cool J song that goes with it. I'm going to knock you out. Yep. Um, and then they're kind of, again, to just keep this as brief as I can, there's actually still a possibility that the Pelicans can host a game next week in the Smoothie King Center as part of the in-season tournament. They will host a game no matter what, because if they don't, if Houston wins on Tuesday, wins the group, knocks out the Pelicans, um, they'll still have a game that is added to their schedule. They'll have one home, one and away. But um, if basically if Sacramento loses Tuesday night and Houston loses, the Pelicans will have a really good chance to be the number two quote unquote seed, I guess, in the Western Conference. Okay. Um, the Lakers, it looks like they have the one seed locked up just based on their point differential. So that's what you're going to root for. If if Houston loses. Their game's at 7.30 on Tuesday. If they lose that, then you can move on to, okay, now we know we're in the in-season tournament quarterfinals. Now let's get a game in Smoothie King Center. So go Warriors as they play against Sacramento. So go Mavs. Mm -hmm. Go Warriors. Yes. Tomorrow. Tuesday night. Okay. Yep. There you go. I think I wrote that all down. Excellent. It's not that complicated. No, it really is. <laughs> There's some other point differential stuff right. if both of those things happen, but I don't want to get into that because that's just – and it's kind of absurd stuff like Golden State can't win by 35 points, stuff like that. We'll cover it in three segments on Wednesday. <laughs> All right. Excellent. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Jim Eikenoff from Gus Cattingale. We'll see you tonight at Pelicans warm-up again, 8 o'clock tip time, New Orleans and Utah. And as always, we appreciate you for tuning us in right here in the Pelicans podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.